Hello, everybody. Uh, I want to thank Pam Stack and authors on the air. My name is Matt Coyle, by the way, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series. I want to thank Pam and authors on the air for giving me a little slot to talk to occasionally to talk to authors I really want to talk to. And today is a perfect example of that. Uh, Carl Vondero writes domestic suspense thrillers. His novel, Murderbilia, his first novel, won the Lefty Award uh, in 2020. 2020 for Best Debut Novel, the San Diego Book Award for Best Mystery, and the Cops Featherling Gold Phoenix Award. Gold. Carl's new novel, Saving Miles, published by Ocean View, hits the bookshelves on August 15th. There's the cover. Cool cover, by the way. Carl's a former banker who has worked in the U.S., Canada, Latin America, and North Africa. Wow. In addition to his novel writing, he helps nonprofits through the organization Social Venture Partners, which I think he started. Carl lives with his wife in San Diego. Yeah. His two grown sons are close by and wonder how he knows so much about serial killers and banking crimes. And I wonder the same. Welcome, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I also want to be sure that we mention Partners in Crime, which is the San Diego chapter of Sisters in Crime. So, um, Carl is the press. Yeah, yeah, great Not organization. Not yet impeached, but there is, a, a, there is a groundswell you don't know about. Um, <laughs> well, I hope so, it's soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it I'll wait till after about you. So, uh, spoiler alert, again, Saving Miles is one of the best books I've read this year, honestly. So, Carl, tell us a little bit about it. So, Saving Miles is about a uh, dysfunctional family, basically. And um, two estranged parents have had a really tough time raising their, their teenage son, Miles. They've had to send him to a residential treatment center because they were afraid that his life was going totally off the rails. He comes back seemingly totally changed, gets straight A's in school, then sneaks off to Mexico to score some drugs and gets kidnapped. So here we have two desperate parents who will do anything to save their son. Uh, they don't have the money for the ransom. So uh, Fiona, the wife, has a good contact. She works for in a nonprofit. He knows all about kidnapping. He owns a bank. So they become involved with Andre Wallet in his bank, who loans the family the money for the ransom in exchange that Wade, the father, begins to work for them and starts their commercial real estate division. So um, here, every, Wade suspects the bank is kind of sketchy, but he has no idea how sketchy it is. Mm -hmm. And the bank is very involved in money laundering, and Wade and, so, and Fiona have to do whatever it takes to uh, save their family now. Absolutely. Um... Okay, this book is labeled a thriller, which it is, thrilling, but it does a thorough examination of family dynamics, as you kind of touched upon, as did even your serial killer book, Murabilia, I thought. So what draws you to that terrain, the family dynamics so much? Um, I think my motto is, I, is that under, behind every crime is a family. So hmm. I think family dynamics are integrally related both for the victims and the perpetrators of crimes. They're, they're like the third rail underneath of what everything is going on. So I'm very attracted to those kinds of relationships because they give a lot of potential for conflict. Uh, there's no conflict like family conflict. 
and there's uh, no resentment like family resentment. And yet there's mm, nothing that's, that's there's nothing that draws people together more than family. So um, th those are the kinds of contradictions that really uh, add a whole other facet to a thriller, I think. Did you think or ever consider before you start writing thrillers, mystery slash crime, which is called crime genre, so I like to refer to it as, um, of writing in some other genre to kind of examine the family or, as you kind of explained, make more sense or just more fun to write about crime? I think it's more fun to write about crime because there's nothing that amplifies conflict better than a good crime. It puts pressure on everyone. And that kind of pressure, you know, produces results that even the characters, much less the author, uh, doesn't realize are going to happen. Uh, Saving Miles seems intensely personal. Um, is it? Uh, there are parts of it that are personal. Uh, my family had an experience uh, where we had to go through um, sending someone to a residential treatment center almost 20 years ago, and it was very, very tough. Um, I don't talk publicly about the specifics of it, but I know a lot about it. I know a lot of other people that have gone through this. And when a teenager is basically beyond the ability of the family to help him or her. They have to turn to someone to save their kid's life. And so they, they often will turn to these residential treatment centers or, or uh, wilderness experiences. And these are very closed, very intense environments that extreme behavior modification. Um, there are over 10,000 kids that have been sent to these across the country. Wow. And when the kid comes back, you know, it, again, it's the family dynamics are still there. Uh, the yeah. kid both wants to be close to his family and resents them for having sent him or her there. Um, and even going to the treatment center, what's portrayed in the book is very common that a parent can't get their child to go. So they hire someone to take them. And that person is authorized to basically uh, put them in shackles. Uh, so they wake the kid up at four o'clock in the morning and these two strangers take them wherever they're going to go. So that kind of intensity underlies the, or that kind of experience underlies the whole book. And that's really why the first two chapters portray it. Uh, frankly, I thought of Mystic River and how the, what happened with the candy factory and the kidnapping at the beginning, underlying everything else in the book. And that's kind of the sort of thing I was reaching for. Well, that you, this isn't it is a spoiler because you just said it. So that, but the opening scene does deal with the the, the people coming to take away a teenager to the the the, the treatment center, and it is gripping. I mean, you don't have to have guns uh, firing from every angle to have an extremely intense gripping. Um, a chapter and that's the opening chapter is really i say that's probably as gripping as any chapter in any genre you can read really well done tense um and memorable so uh carl and i were in a writer's group together years ago and i knew this book i didn't know that i'm not sure if the title was saving miles back then 
But no. um, I knew when it was a swaddling baby, it was good then, <laughs> but it, it got much better. And after the group dissolved, you no longer had to deal with my negative influence. You made some changes that really pushed them up, up to what I think is an elite level of writing. So um, off the top of my head, I think I could kind of go over the ones that come to me. But what were some of the changes, if you can remember, it's been a while. What were sure. some of the changes that you made to kind of to raise it, to really raise it up? Yeah, well, it was in first person, first of all. So I changed it to third person close that gave it enough distance and didn't have it so much of an emphasis on voice, uh, which uh, allowed the, the really the conflict to stand, I think, more on its own. Um, the other thing was um, it was originally just in, uh, in Wade's point of view. Yeah. Um, and I went to my agent. I told her the premise. I was already working heavily on the book. And she said, you know, I really like more than one point of view in a book. So you can imagine my reaction. Oh shit. <laughs> but so I took up the I took up the challenge and it really stretched me as a writer. And I went first of all to Fiona and that was difficult getting her voice. I don't want it to sound like Wade. That was one thing it initially did sound like when in our writers group so um, I read a lot about uh, women separated from their husbands who have affairs and why they have affairs. And again, it was in third person. So uh, it allowed me to have a lot more empathy for her. And uh, that allowed that voice to come through. And then finally, you know, Carolyn Wheat was, uh, helped us both in our writers group and she was my coach for a oh, while. And, you know, I just had Miles' point of view at the end and she said, no, 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 no. You got to have him more than that in the rest of the book. And that was a very difficult challenge because, as you can see, I'm not a teenager. And uh, so how do you get a teenager's voice, even in third person in a book? Um, I did a lot of research there and I started using teen slang. And uh, good From old Carolyn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Good old Carolyn, uh, again, had the zinger of a question. She had two of them. Who are your readers? <laughs> are <Yeah>. they teenagers? <laughs> and secondly, does your reader need to have a dictionary to understand what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, Carolyn, nuanced I, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just kidding over from COVID. This is bringing it back. Um, but so, so I, I thought, well, you know, the, really the way to do a teenager's voice is to empathize with their point of view more than their language. And then I tried to zero in on the idealism, the absolute fixation with romance, the resentment of parents for what parents do to them. And that's the way I, I tried to get that voice down. Uh, and throughout, you know, I have another writer's group um, who I've been with for years, and they helped me with all the scenes. And it's mostly women in the group, so they could tell me when I was full of it. Um, so that helped a lot as well. So, you know, um, after a thousand revisions, you know, it eventually gets to a better level. Uh, I, I think one thing you also did, of course, you, you, you gave the multiple points of view. You took it out of first, which I think you, you were able to still tap into what you do really well is describe 
um, I don't want to say scenery, but describe, describe place, put people in the place. And in the beginning, you know, in first person, it's hard to do that in a very mm. um, intense situation. But being able to take that slight distance, I think, um, really, you're able to do what you're really strong at and not have it get in the way of the thrust of the story. And um, the other thing is that you moved, my recollection, and it's been a while, yeah, is that you moved, that initially the um, uh, Miles leaving or being escorted was a flashback. And that was further in. And I think putting it up front made, made a huge difference. And like I said, the, the scene is so gripping that you really, you really grab the readers right away. Um, so yeah. all, like I said, once uh, you got into a, you got away from, from uh, some bad influences, you made the book better, but, but you still have <laughs> Carolyn, you still have oh, Carolyn, yeah. who is, a, who is Carolyn's a freaking genius. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's very blunt. really good. You know, and that was a difficult decision because, you know, all thrillers are supposed to begin with the murder or the crime or, you know, something like that. And that's when I really thought about Mystic River. So and I just decided now I like it this way. I'm going to go for it and see what happens. Right. I think sometimes we forget it. We we know the conventions, but we toss them aside for certain reasons and it works. Um, OK, so this book as we discussed, basically character-driven, character-very important, but it's very well plotted. So which idea came first for you? Was it, I got this family situation or I got this international, because there is international intrigue here. We, there is, I don't know if you kind of touched upon it, but there's um, money laundering, which being a former banker, you're an expert on. So where, where what kind of came first for you? Hey, I got this story I want to tell about family or I got this really cool intrigue. I want to mesh a family into it. Well, I I thought about a sketchy bank for a long time, <laughs> you know, Don't ever since I read the, yeah, ever since I read the firm, right? So, um, and you know, and I thought about money laundering. Nobody's done a lot on money laundering. I thought, well, that'd be good. Um, and I also thought about a nonprofit being enmeshed inside the book because not many people think about a nonprofit. But as even uh, despite your what you think about me, I do not know a lot about money laundering, or I didn't. <laughs> so no, but um, so I took courses and I talked to people. Um, I took a course from uh, an association for certified anti-money laundering specialists to learn about money laundering. I talked with two agents at the FBI. I talked with the DEA. Uh, so I talked with a number of people to get myself up. And as you know, as, as you're right, I'm a banker, so I know a lot about operations and I have had some experience with people trying to launder money through, through my bank. Um, so all of that helped. It I all think that came together. it certainly came together. I, th I think a lot of us know a little bit about money laundering, but not really how it works. And, um, it's nice to get a little closer to it. Um, you know, so prevalent, we hear about it all the time, but um, the, the nuts and bolts are a little more complicated. Uh, yeah. So, and this anyway, is simplified. You want to well, this well, is simplified. Well, and, still. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these money laundering schemes are amazing, but, you know, um, that that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and I think the ultimate 
form of money laundering is that a, a cartel's family, their children become legit. So, right. uh, uh, and they're the one they always point to are the Kennedys, where the father was a bootlegger and the son was president. Right. right? Yeah. And so to me, it's never I been mean, done again. Well, yeah. maybe it has. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go, I'm going to go into politics, but maybe yeah. it has. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we're in the similar vintage like you. Uh, many of us started writing novels later in life. I say you, like many of us, start writing novels later in life. And it's been four years since Murabile, your first book, came out. Uh, four years in between. I think it's been four years between that and Saving Miles. Am I close? Yeah, in the published dates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did you learn about the writing biz, either personal or on a business level, since you started writing in the dark like we all do? And do you feel since in the last four years from one book one to book two that that learning process has been turbocharged? It's a compound question. Yeah. I've learned a lot, particularly about promotion and what it takes on social media. I didn't know anything about social media when I did Murderabilia. And so I've cranked that up. I'm still far from an expert, but I'm a, a lot more savvy about it. I've learned uh, more about uh, networking groups and how to inter interact with uh, promoters and how to approach people about your books, um, how to get more involved in the community because the community is very supportive. Like you, Matt, you've been very supportive of me. So um, San Diego's very good to their writers. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope to do the same for other writers as they start on their this career. Um, I'm not sure. Did, did I answer the question? Yeah, I'll, I'll go a little deeper into it. Um, so, I mean, you had the rawest, for a first book, I think you probably have about the rawest deal anybody could have. You, you wrote a, a really good, creepy, creepy good book. And it, but it was the last book that Midnight Inc. published. And yeah. they they published your book, and then I don't think you could find them after that. So now, like you said, yeah. um, you're much more. You're really uh, you've interwoven marketing into what you do. I, I just saw you the other day on a on a podcast. Um, I know you have a book tour book tour coming up, and your your launches at Warwick's the. La Jolla, San Diego, iconic family-owned bookstore that everybody who's in the biz wants to be able to do an event at, and you're going to have your launch there. Yeah. Um, how does it feel to be able to kind of, after being left behind to some degree, being able to go full guns blazing into your, your launch of your second book? Well, it, it feels uh, both good and very intense. So, you know, for the, uh, my next book's with my agent, and since I turned it into her, I've done nothing but, you know, promotion and marketing. And, um, and that's, what, that's what I feel I have to do. And to be at Warwick's is a dream, right? Because it's Absolutely. what every San Diego writer thinks they'd love to do. So that's a wonderful confirmation. Um, it was too bad that, you know, that um, Murderabilia, you know, the, what happened at Midnight Inc. And, you know, and I had the usual problems with agents, et cetera. But 
um, and even Left Coast Crime when it was nominated and then the conference closed. (laughs) (laughs) But but still, I'll trade all that because I won the prize. So, you know, it wasn't all bad, you know, and uh, who knows if I would have uh, been up there representing the book, maybe I wouldn't have won. But as it was, I I did. So everything's up and down with this field and you're only as good as your last book I've come to realize. So uh, you, your first book, your, your first two books have been standalones and yeah. I don't know if you're thinking about writing a series, but what do you like about writing? We'll just call it individual books as opposed to kind of a world you can go back to. I like it because uh, you can explore different people and different families in my case. So the family in Murderabilia was very different than the family in this book. And so I get to explore the different different problems each of those families has. Um, I get to explore different situations. I mean, you know, I'd like to book do a book that's in a different time period, um, which, you know, you can't do in a series. Um, uh, tell that to um, uh, Ken Colkin. It's Tom Hickey series. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, you proved me wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look that one up. There's only um, one Ken Colkin, you say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I so that's why I like these individual books. And the next one has a different kind of family situation. Right. Um, so uh, that's a challenge. And I get great meaning out of that. Um, I could see how Saving Miles could have a sequel. But um, but, you know, I haven't gone down that road. So I got the title. What's that? Saving Miles again. <laughs> or, of course, it's Saving Miles to Electric Boogie Lou, which is always been, been Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Deja Vu Saving Miles. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I like that better. Uh, so uh, how about giving us some stops on your tour? We know you're doing Warwick's on launch day. I'm not exactly sure when this podcast is going to come out, probably right around the launch. But where yeah. else are you going? Well, I'm doing Book Carnival. With you, uh, a week in Orange, a week later. I'm uh, doing Mysterious Galaxy uh, later in September. I'm doing the um, the book well um, in Orange uh, or around there um, later in November. Um, and I'm trying to do some stuff in Florida and Cleveland as well. So oh, that's right. Cleveland, because yeah. you're from, you're from yeah. the Cleveland area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you said your next book's in with your agent. Do you want it? You said it's a different family family dynamic. Do you want, does it, well, it's in with your agent right now. So we don't really have a pub date as of yet. Do you, I'm guessing, do you want to mm-hmm. give it a quick mention? Well, about? I mean, my agent will probably tear it apart. So, um, well, you did know, a good job change. last time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we have to sell it to somebody. So I don't want to give uh, too much away until it's sold. But uh, in this case, it takes place in a, uh, a branch of a bank. So not, not the high end of banking, but more, you know, the nuts and bolts retail side of the bank, where a uh, banker has been mourning the loss of his wife. He's attracted to one of his colleagues, can't get past mourning his wife. And then she seemingly dies because of a drug overdose. He thinks she's been murdered 
and uh, he has to get to the bottom of it. Like it. So what part of, is it in San Diego or somewhere else? It's in San Diego. There's some parts in Tijuana again uh, with this one. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, I think I'm sure that it'll, it, um, after your agent makes you make it better, it'll, <laughs> it'll be on the shelves. Uh, so how can people follow you online? So I have a website, uh, www.carlvondero.com. And um, let's see, I'm on Facebook as well under Carl Vondero, and I'm on Instagram. So please go on my, um, on my uh, website and sign up for my newsletter as well. So you can hear more about uh, what's going on with my books, others' books, and some of the strange experiences I've had in my life. Oh, very nice. And yeah. you'll be at BoucherCon in San Diego in, well, in I will. the end of will. August into September. I will. I will be uh, on a couple of panels there. I'll be reading on Friday night. I'm going to be hosting the debut author's breakfast. So that will all be fun. So cool. hope to all, it's going to be a great conference. I think 1,600 people are, are registered for it now or something. Yeah. Um, all kinds of events. So it's really going to be good. Going to be one of the bigger ones. Well, yeah. Carl, thanks for uh, sitting in, and thanks to Pam for letting me sit in. And I like highly recommend Saving Miles. And by the time you see this, it'll probably be out bookstores. It'll just be very close to. August fifteen. Exactly. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much, Matt. Thank uh, you, Matt. Th thanks for the great questions. <laughs>